This is Fiberside Chat, a 3GIS podcast, bringing you the latest practices in the world of fiber networks and plus architecture. Welcome to another episode of Fiberside Chat. I'm your host, Tyler Kern, and today's episode takes a look at taking your network management to the cloud. And I have two wonderful guests from 3GIS, as always, joining me on the podcast today. The first is Tommy Sinyard. He is the Chief Technical Officer for 3GIS. Tommy, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Absolutely. And then we also have Damian Harilal. He is the Solutions Engineer for 3GIS. Damian, thank you so much for being here as well. Thank you. Glad to be here. Excellent. Well, uh, Tommy, let's start off uh, the conversation here. Uh, the most touted benefit for cloud services is scalability. Based on your experience, what would you say uh, have been the other big drivers for companies when they want to move to the cloud? Well, a lot of it has to do with their infrastructure and how well they support it. So, you know, they can they can look for, I don't want to have to go out and buy all the servers. I don't want to have to buy the databases. And we can supply all that for them. And they don't have to worry about even maintaining it or running it. The other big thing that they're looking for is they do want to move to the cloud because they want all their other applications to, to be hosted up there at some time. So they start with moving application by application. And so that's a big push. Uh, and that's, a, that's kind of an internal decision by the company itself is I want to be in the cloud. I want to use the scalability of the cloud uh, as I need it to be able to, you know, super supercharge the system when I have a lot to do and then scale it back when I don't have a lot to do. And also it just allows them to, to allow access to other people outside their organization, you know, on a user by user basis. Yeah, and Tommy, just as as a way of following up, that there's that remote access um, advantage that comes with with the cloud. That I think um, maybe companies uh, uh, right now, especially and and especially recently, are looking at that remote access as a big benefit of the cloud. Yeah, and you know that's no more obvious than it is today of people not being able to get into work and how many people can access it. Now there are ways, you know, of course they can access their internal systems through VPN or whatever. But the flexibility and the ability to, to the cloud to be able to host those things it just seems to be much simpler and easier to use, and people understand it better. So pretty much all our applications and even our development is done up in the cloud today. So we we've embraced it internally, and we see our customers doing so also. So, Damien, on the flip side, what are some of the the barriers um, that are keeping companies from embracing the cloud for their systems? So, a lot of companies see this as you know we've we've always done things this particular way, so we'll continue to do it this way. As in, I want to have my own data center. I want to provide my own security around my servers, physical access, um, things like that. And large organizations have large IT organizations inside of them. That's been their traditional way of thinking. As an IT administrator, uh, they have a a God complex. They don't like to give up control. And they see the cloud as giving up part of that control. So some of it is, it doesn't match the the internal infrastructure and the way they've always done things. Another part of it is, you know, they look at data as being their own. Nobody wants to share. Nobody wants to have it on shared resources. So at that point in time, they, they also look at data security. And how well is this protected in the cloud? Or how well is it going to be protected in the cloud? Now, you have people who've built tailored systems over years, and they know the systems inside and out. And now you're asking them to trust somebody else's infrastructure to host that data, where they know 
all the kinks and hidden places in their infrastructure, and they don't necessarily know it in somebody else's. Um, and it's hard to relinquish that control sometimes. Um, cost is another one that people usually say is a, is a big thing about going to the cloud, but generally uh, what we've seen uh, is that there's a actual cost reduction with moving to cloud services. It, it's a misnomer that co cloud costs a lot more. You do pay for everything you do use in the cloud, but at the same time, it's all those hidden costs that you pay for or get itemized in the cloud. You don't actually itemize on internal infrastructure. And also, you know, the inertia of getting things going. It could get up and running very quickly, or it could take a really long time depending on the implementation teams and your focus. Yeah, we're going to focus a little bit more on that security aspect here in, in just a moment. But before we do, Tommy, I wanted to ask just some companies state that the integration between cloud and legacy systems requires the systems to be co-located. Are there architectures that allow systems to coexist, you know, some in-house and some in the cloud while providing tight integration between the two? Yeah, this is really being extended, you know, day by day. Because this this is a big issue. If I uh, mentioned earlier about some of the companies that may have directed to to move everything up in the cloud, and some of the uh, legacy applications they have don't run well there, don't present themselves well there, and and also some databases. And as I think Damon just mentioned, is that uh, they don't want to be able to take certain data outside the building. They want it behind their firewall all the times. And so what we have done on some instances is the customer themselves has uh, purchased a direct line into the server, uh, the hosting servers. And so they, they limit uh, and they have more control over the security of that path. And then the other thing we've had to do is extend our APIs, which, which is what we use to integrate between existing systems and make those so they will work across uh, such a bridge. And that's, that's helping out. But a lot of the applications still are not, if you put them in the cloud, you still have to manage them. And so if, if they're not set up for that, it makes it a little harder for them to get there. Yeah, and, and Damien, I want to come back to that uh, that security point that you mentioned a second ago because I, I think the concern that is ubiquitous, ubiquitous to communication service providers is security, you know, security of their data. So what are some of the pillars for security that should be part of a cloud service uh, network management system? For, for me, the way I see, the way I approach security is you could have a bunch of security around systems or if you have the opportunity to build a system correctly, if you architect it well, then the need for high security goes away. It means everybody has a specific purpose, and that purpose drives the policy behind the access that you have. So well-built, well-architected systems require much less strict security rules or a smaller security blanket but it's more focused. So some of the pillars that you look at, you know, strong identity, you want to take it from a least privileged standpoint where specific roles have access to specific things that allow them to do their jobs every day, which is hard to do in some companies where people wear many hats, especially when you have small teams working on things. So it's trying to find that balance between giving somebody the access they need to complete their job successfully but also securing the infrastructure and everything else behind it. Uh, next, I talk about is traceability. So 
you need to have logs everywhere, log everything. Traceability allows you to find issues inside your code, find issues inside of your infrastructure and help remedy that. You won't be able to, because what happens sometimes is people have, they run into issues and then they don't know what caused it because they don't have logging or it's not turned on for this particular system and there's no way to find out. Uh, so traceability is one thing you need to have, some sort of stack that does tracing for you. Um, then I'd say, you know, uh, automate your best security practice. Uh, there's lots of providers out there that, you know, have systems that will help you. We'll look at your cloud environment and say, um, you have a particular port open to the entire world. Um, let's remedy that for you. And that takes away the you having to worry about these situations. It, it offers a base amount of protection. Because in the cloud, you're operating what's called a shared responsibility model, where you have access to the systems, and the systems are protected physically from the provider standpoint. But then it's still your responsibility to make sure it's configured correctly. So if you leave ports open, if you leave your application exposed to risk, then these things can happen to you. And at that point, it's not the provider's problem, it's your problem. So one way to get around this is to employ technology that helps you find these errors and move around it. Um, you wanna be protecting your data in transit and at rest all the time, right? So you don't want data moving around there unencrypted. Um, you wanna prepare for events that happen. So from your automated security, you wanna have that coming out uh, constantly reporting every single day um, instead of every six months when you do a security report. You need something telling you up to date when something has happened. Also, you have to plan for disaster scenarios. What happens if this comes in? The cloud lends, uh, lends itself to this really well in that you could have red-blue configurations. You could do uh, timed disaster scenarios. You know, you take a machine down, how does it balance well inside the cloud? Does it come up? Uh, are you still protected when that happens? So that kind of continuous uh, preparation and response time lends itself really well to the cloud. Uh, continuous compliance is another one. You always wanna be compliant. Um, always check in on if you are compliant or not. So every day there's three or four, 50 more signatures come out uh, because of new exploits being found inside of applications that have to be checked against the cloud. And usually when you have a small team doing some of these things, it's really hard for them to keep up. Essentially, you need a full-time staff doing compliance. Well, again, there's the approach of using the cloud that handles most of this for you. So it does, it does lend itself to that kind of workflow a lot. Yeah, and I, I think that... Um that when somebody sees the benefits of this and they say, okay, I would like to begin to make that, that transition. Uh, you know, once a communication service provider has determined they're ready to make that shift, Tommy, uh, what steps can they begin taking uh, to prepare for migration? Well, I go back to old school of PMO and FMO. So the, I work, I worry about my present method of operation. So I get on the whiteboard and I, and I draw up all my systems that I maintain today and how they communicate. And then I do the FMO model of how I want to move and what I want to move to the cloud. And just stepping through 
uh, I'm moving these applications to the cloud, then do they run okay in the cloud? Can I manage them from internal sources? Can I manage them or do I need to manage them? And then the ones that communicate back and forth and share information, do I have a, a way, do both of them have APIs that are web enabled, for example? Uh, if not, what do I do and what do I have to do? So all those questions somebody's got to go through and make sure that all the channels of communication is still going to work. Uh, the applications are going to be using uh, and the ones that are never maybe going to be able to lift into the cloud to be able to move over there so they can use those. Then they may have to look for alternatives. There are also some companies out there. We don't do this, but there's companies who will help uh, clients move to the cloud and set up a program and even provide them some software to, to help with this communication paths that are, that are created there. So they may want to contact one of them, contract them out to, to help them build a plan and maybe even implement that plan. But it's all about how do, what, I, what do I do today? What am I going to have to do tomorrow? And how is that going to work? And do I have the right people on board to make that happen? And again, you got to look at your IT staff to say, do I need to train them on how they have to manage the system differently in, in the future than they do today? Yeah, absolutely. So, D Damien, once that has happened, and so, you know, a communication service provider has established a plan, they've chosen vendors, and they've decided that part of the migration strategy is to move their network management operations to the cloud. You know, once a CSP moves network management to a cloud service, what responsibilities do their IT organizations still have to support and manage? Yeah, so as I mentioned earlier, uh, the shared, shared responsibility, right? Most, uh, a lot of traditional IT thinks they're going to get replaced when you do move to the cloud. Mm -hmm. Uh, that isn't necessarily true because there is still things that need to happen from the IT perspective. Uh, we have to maintain control. So control is still access to access to applications, access to the environments, um, all of which is still an IT resource that needs to get that done. Uh, service uh, communication protection. So somebody still needs to manage how applications talk to each other, uh, who talks to the applications, when they talk to the applications. That's still an IT function. Uh, you want to do you still have things like patch management and training, awareness training, because now when you switch to the cloud, there is different threats that come up at you from a cloud, in, from, from being inside of the cloud as opposed to being internal, right? Some of the threats now is you have large, especially during, during this uh, downtime that we've had in, in recent weeks, uh, there's been an increase in the number of DDoS attacks happening and the number of ransomware attacks happening. And what has been happening is these, these guys that do the attacks, they've been looking for chinks in the armor of IT staff that have been sleeping on the job not running patches as they're supposed to, not doing the correct training, not making the uh, not making the effort on the back end. And then they get into the system and break it down. So yeah, IT still has a lot of uh, power in terms of security and protection that needs to happen. But from the standpoint of focusing cloud-based, so now it's more of how these attack vectors change and how do you, how do you, how do you prepare for these new attack vectors? How do you simulate them coming into your organization? And having a well-architected system and SIM products, like things that to alert you when things happen, 
are all part of what the IT organization needs to shift its focus to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and tell me, it's it's understood that choices in technology change fast these days, not to mention that uh, communication service providers are avoiding vendor lock-in, right? So how does a network management system allow customers to maintain control of their data and use it with other business applications? Well, so what you have to look, what you, what they look at today is uh, in the past, the old systems were maybe proprietary databases, for example, and don't have APIs that allow you to access the information readily and, and communicate with other applications. And when when somebody develops a web application or one that's going to run up in the cloud, they they build it with that in mind. They also build it with usually an open data structure that allows it to communicate and work. So rather than having to go directly to the uh, through the application to get to the database, you might be able to directly query into the database and get your information, which removes part of the steps and removes part of the flows from there. So with that open database model, it keeps from being locked in. What I've always been told, you know, when we go in to replace a system that's managing their their network and their outside plant items, for example, that this thing's the heart of our operation. It's like, you know, it's doing heart replacement if you, if you take it out. So it's, you know, it's really uh, tedious and, and it's, you know, problem problematic. So they have to look at, they don't want that to happen again. That's a big reason they don't move lots of time. The cost of converting all the data into another database, another, you know, system in general and how they key things. And from their old database, it was really proprietary based. So I think just by the way the web applications have to operate, they are more open and more accessible through different means like APIs or direct connects. Yeah, Tommy, that, that's a great point. And, you know, moving to cloud architecture and services allows communication service providers to implement new collaboration and automation technologies, not only quickly, but throughout their entire enterprises. So can you share an, an example of how a customer improved their network deployment and management using these cloud capabilities? Sure. Uh, so uh, given an example of we have a very large telecom that, that uses our system today. And they had a lot of their engineering firms also using our system and other systems that were out there to do the engineering design and construction. And then when they got done, they had to convert all those different applications. The data had to be converted before it could be loaded and seen inside the customers, the client's application. And so when we set up the web for them for, for them to use our system, what they did was allow the EPCs to do designs directly into the application so there was no data conversion and no loss. And also internally, the people like the sales force could look in there and see what's going to be built and see the timeline of when it's going to be built. They would in turn start selling services and let them know that, you know, May 12th, this is going to be turned up because I can see uh, the plan inside the system. I can see that the trunk line's already laid and they're just going to do the laterals and it should be ready by May 12th. And so providing that information throughout the organization, um, you know, made it very time conscious of, when I can start bringing revenue in on what I built. Also the time it took to convert the data and load it and then get it up ready for somebody to see that was taken out of the equation also. So that shortened the time frame. Yeah, Damien, is there anything that you'd like to add on to, to that example from Tommy or, or any other examples that you have that you'd like to, to share just about um, customers improving their network deployment and management using cloud? Yeah, so just to kind of add on there, uh, what we see is now that you move to cloud, and you get out of some of these uh, proprietary legacy systems is the breadth at which the organization can access the same data. 
So that data could be sent to other systems inside of the organization where uh, Tommy uh, just said that salespeople or Salesforce could go look at plant being built live and be able to turn their strategies around using that information. Um, it does make it really helpful when you have a centralized store of data that is managed and scaled accordingly for an entire, entire large organization. Because of that, now you can have different systems plug into that same main data silo and everybody can add and take data out. Then what happens is you start seeing connections between parts of the organization that didn't exist before. Because now people start sharing more and connecting more and collaborating more around this data. So it, it tends to, to lead to some external benefits not necessarily seen with dollars and cents, but in terms of speed and efficiency of communication. Yeah, absolutely. Well, guys, this has been a, a fantastic framework uh, with which to view um, the idea of, you know, taking your network management to the cloud, everything from, you know, best practices to challenges to things that uh, that, that uh, communication service providers should be thinking through and, and understanding security and answering some of those big questions. And so, Tommy and Damien, thank you so much for joining me today on this episode of Fiberside Chat by 3GIS to, uh, to explain this to us. Uh, we really enjoyed it. Appreciate it. Yep. Thank you very much. And everybody, thank you for listening to this episode of Fiverrside Chat. Please go make sure you subscribe on you know, iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts these days. And of course, we'll be back with more episodes of the podcast soon. But until then, I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. Thanks for listening.